Hey, Bible Love listeners, I'm so glad to see y'all. I'm just sitting here reading my Bible, getting prepared for numbers today. But am I going to have to do the Bible Love podcast all by myself? Oh my gosh, Adam is here. We're doing it in person. I'm so excited. He came all the way to Greenwood to do the Bible Love podcast with us in person. This is the first time we've done it. It's the first time we've done it in person. Not the first time we've been in the same room together, but the first time that we've recorded together. We're not in our studios in Columbia or my mom's house in Texas or wherever our studios end up. We are here in Resurrections. It's awesome. So so thank you for coming today. I'm really excited. Um, Before we get started, you've got some news to share. I do have some news. We announced it yesterday, but I next month will be leaving diocesan staff in Upper South Carolina, and we're moving back to Texas, where I will be the rector of St. Martin in the Field in Keller, Texas. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, Alan is going to be great. St. Martin's, you're getting a really good one. Um, I have a little tear because I will miss my bud. Um, but this is an exciting new adventure for y'all, and Thank I'm you. thrilled. Yeah, we're excited about it. So what does that mean for Babel Up? I don't think it means anything, except I'll have to record on Central Time now. <laughs> but because we don't have to be in the right. same room like this, we're going to keep going, and hopefully it'll become part of the formation practice at St. Martin's. And, yeah, St. Martin's. You know. in the, before Alan comes, you can go back and listen to all the ones we've yeah. already done, right, and get caught up. And that's the great thing about Bible Love is we don't have to be just the recording studios are going to change, right? So we'll now have Texas and South Carolina. So that's a good thing. And I'm so glad because we get to continue our friendship um, and do this every week. Absolutely. Awesome. Okay. So today we are, oh, we didn't pray. We need, we need to pray. We today, pray. Yeah, we should pray. <laughs> today is the uh, feast day of St. John the Baptist, the nativity of St. John the Baptist. And so the prayer for this day. Almighty God, by whose providence your servant John the Baptist was wonderfully born and sent to prepare the way of your Son, our Savior, by preaching repentance. Make us so to follow his teaching and holy life that we may truly repent according to his preaching and following his example, constantly speak the truth, boldly rebuke vice, and patiently suffer for the truth's sake. Through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, forever and ever. Amen. Today, we are talking about numbers five and six, right? We, yeah, and Numbers 5 picks up where it seems Leviticus left off, and we're back with <laughs> we're back. <laughs> unclean people with booze. We just get that all yeah. the time, like, what the heck? Yeah, I don't know what was going on in the camps of um, early Israelites, <laughs> yeah. but but right, it makes sense without modern medicine and with infection and all of this. It, oozing sores and bleeding people was probably a scary thought it and was. a concern. And we are so mature, we can handle it yeah. and not laugh one yeah. bit about it. Um, no, we're pros at this. Yeah, we, we are. We've done it several times. But we actually, right, like this week is different. Last week, or last time, it, we kind of glanced over it because mm-hmm. it was yeah. funny and we couldn't stop laughing. Right. But the gospel, for, yeah, the gospel for this Sunday, I think, helps us understand this, you know, because 
Because here, I'll read just a little bit. The Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Command the Israelites to put out of the camp everyone who's leprous or has a discharge, and everyone who is unclean through contact with a corpse. You shall put out both male and female, putting them outside the camp. So here, if um, someone has leprosy, if someone has a bleeding discharge, or if someone has come in contact with a dead body, they're to be put out of the camp for a time, and there's restitution and all of this, but they're to be sent away. Well, we come to Mark and Sunday's gospel, and what is Jesus doing? Jesus is walking through a crowd, and a hemorrhaging woman with a bloody discharge touches him. And Jesus then goes on, and he interacts with the family of the dead girl. And so these folks have probably touched their daughter. Jesus is in close quarters with Jairus' daughter. And so in our gospel message, we see Jesus turning this on its head. It's no longer stay away from these people because they're unclean. Now Jesus is coming near to these people. And through Jesus, they are made clean. Yeah, it's just like what Dr. Tony said. Like, aren't we so grateful we're on this side of Jesus? Although this was an important thing at yeah. that time, and we don't want to um, to to not talk about that. Um, and it, as it goes on, um, we get into confession and restitution. Um, and, you know, we were talking about this a little bit earlier. I think there's such importance in this of... Um, we have confession in our weekly service, but this was different for them, right? So um, if you, I, I'll read just a little bit. Um, I'm going to actually go down to um, verse 8. If the injured party has no next of kin to whom restitution may be made for the wrong, the restitution for the wrong shall go to the Lord for the priest, in addition to the ram of atonement with which atonement is made for the guilty party. Among all the sacred donations of the Israelites, every gift that they bring to the priest shall be his. The sacred donations of all are their own. Whatever anyone gives to the priest shall be his. So there is room for confession, right? But then there, there's consequences to that, right? Um, we were joking earlier, and maybe you'll do it. You're going to bring a ram on your first day I am. at St. Martin's yeah. um, or a hog or something. Yeah. And I'll sacrifice it on the altar. <laughs> This is what you're in for, yeah. St. Martin's. Um, no, but that there really was consequences to what they did. We kind of live in um, a society where we get to confess this. The priest um, is the instrument and um, forgives you of your sins, uh, really, for God. But that was not the case for them. They had to keep working at this and keep doing at this. But I think, again, God always shows God's kindness, right? Because he, put, he knows that we're going to mess up. He knows there's going to be a problem. So there's confession that's built in very early on in yeah. the Bible. And this is even the first time we've talked about confession. Yeah. Um, so I'm always grateful to God for recognizing that we are imperfect human beings that yeah. need a place to confess. Yeah, I love how it says here in six, um, chapter 5, verse 6, when a man or woman wrongs another, Breaking faith with the Lord. Yeah. And so there, you know, there's no, there's no such thing as personal sin or person-to-person sin, mm-hmm. right? I, if I sin against Mary Balfour, I've hurt her, mm-hmm. but I've broken faith with the Lord. Right. Right. The, the sin comes from breaking God's design and desire. And then you get down and you just read it. If 
the injured party has no next of kin to whom restitution shall be made. That doesn't mean just because I can't repair the, the break between Mary Balfour and I that I don't have to worry about that. Like I have to repair it with the community. Here the priest stands in the place of the community. But there's this idea that when something's broken through sin, it's not just repairing a relationship between the two people that got in an argument or whatever it was, called each other names. It's repairing the relationship in the community. So even if, you know, Mary Balfour calls me a name and then she goes away, she and can't, you know, repent and make restitution to me. She still has to do that on behalf of the community or for the sake of the community. Right. And I think that's so important to um, invite the community in. And we're, we're, you know, God's setting up church here. Although it wasn't called that then, but that's really what yep. is happening. Like when we do the confession, we do that corporately. We do that as a group. Um, and now that you're leaving me, I mean, I guess I'm going to have to like make Jimmy do the community rest up if yeah. I sin against you. You can sin against Jimmy all you want. <laughs> um, <laughs> If you haven't listened to last week's episode, yeah, go, go listen to last week. Jimmy Hartley, who um, it was a very watched episode. It was. It was. I think people wanted to watch um, Jimmy and I's interactions. Yeah. Y'all are going to have to. You and other folks in the diocese yeah. are going to have to carry on the tradition of ridiculing Jimmy yeah. because um, he loves to dish it out and he doesn't take it so well. And then we'll confess our sins. And then you can confess, right? And, and God will forgive. Repair us. the relationship, right. and God will forgive you. That's right. Okay, so next we go into concerning an unfaithful wife. Yeah. Why is it always the women? I don't know. I don't know. And yeah, it took a guy to point this out. When we had, um, you know, if you're not following along on the Bible app with the reading plan, we'll put the link and you should. Uh, last week, two weeks ago, whenever it was, when we, when we read this in the plan, there were other comments about, you know, what it meant to be restored and what it meant for forgiveness and all of this. And I, the guy in the chat was like, it's, it's the guy, get, this is patriarchal, right? This is the patriarchy it because is. it literally says the man shall be free from iniquity, right? but the woman shall bear her iniquity. It takes two, right, right for unfaithfulness to happen. But the woman is the one who has to bear all this guilt. Women. But I, I do want to say this. Um, later on in Numbers, the women are going to really stand up to Moses and to God in some ways. And so, you know, I don't, I don't know how all that works, but maybe this is the beginning of that and them saying, you know, we need a little more. We need yeah. a little bit more. Of course, unfaithfulness is not something that any of us should do. But you're right. It does take two people. And um, it's interesting that sort of the focus is on um, the woman. But what is also interesting about this, and we talked about this just a minute ago a little bit, is it's not just between the man and the woman. The whole community comes in when yep. something like this happens, which sounds weird, but I like. Right. Because when things happen, we talked about this earlier, but things happen. We meet our people. Yep. We need people to love us and care for us through this. And so the community really is brought into this. The priest is brought in. Um, even though there's a lot of laws in that, it's just not between the two of them, yeah. right? And that's the way it should be, right? That yeah. other people say um, or care for you or faithful friends to you that um, can really um, lay into you and, and sing into you 
that you're loved and you're okay. And it's okay to go through a broken time. It's okay to go through a messy time. It's okay to have the feelings you have. Um, Alan and I have done that for each other. We have other friends that we've, and we just, I just want to encourage that. We yeah. need community, right? Yeah. And it's We're not really to, here. Yeah. To do this alone. And, you know, in our kind of Western mentality, individuality is key, but like that's not part of the Christian imagination. Yeah. We're not meant to, to go through things alone. We're not meant to struggle with things alone. We're not meant to keep things to ourselves. We have, it doesn't mean we have to buy a billboard and put our right. sins out on but the side the of I-20, friends. but find the friends, find the community with which we can bear one another's burdens. Yeah, I think that's just so key. Whether you're a priest, whether you're yeah. a lay person, whoever you are, we all need that. So thanks for being that for me. Thank you. All right. The Nazarites. The Nazarites. So, again, we were talking about this in um, the Numbers app. Um, and I, that day I said, remind me if I ever decide to be a Nazarite to um, run the other way. But you are a Nazarite. I am. Yeah. Tell everybody why you are. Because I shave my head. <laughs> And there, it's really confusing, right? Like, it I mean, is. it talks about no razor shall come on their head until the time is completed for which right. they separate themselves. Mm -hmm. So the time has been completed for me. Yeah. I Very have been nice separated, and I am a full-grown Nazarite <laughs> with a shaved head. No, but in here. And they don't get to drink wine. They either. don't get to drink wine. They, all the days as Nazarites, they'll sit eat nothing produced by the grapevine. So, like, no peanut butter and jelly sandwiches. Oh, how sad. Yeah. If what else do they have to do? They have to bring um, certain animals on certain days. Like there's a, this is a high commitment group of people. And there's, when it gets to bread, like um, no unleavened bread, no flour, you know, yeah. all that kind of stuff. And that, all of these things I interrupted you, but they're commitments, yeah. right? Yeah. We can joke about whatever, but it's commitments both for their own personal piety and people do that. People take on practices of, around holy seasons like Lent and Advent, people will fast from things and people, would, these Nazarites are doing it all the time. It's part of their identity. And some of it's for personal piety, probably for group piety, but some of it is they are marking themselves as different. They are yeah. setting themselves apart. And so when you look at someone, you can tell maybe from their hair or maybe by their choices that they make at a restaurant. Um, but you know, Alan, if you and I are walking down the street, no one could be like, oh, there's they're Christians. I mean, there's nothing yeah. on my Today. on me um, other than our matching blue shirts. Um, that a lot of times I do wear a bracelet that has a cross on it, um, but there's nothing that makes us yeah. stand out in that way, which was not the case yeah. for the Nazarites. And I think it goes to, um, I mean, even though they're like you said, their things were so strict that they had to do. What a commitment that was to God, and how can we? be better about that? How can we commit to God in that sort of sacrificial way? And it may not be shaving our heads or not drinking wine, um, but there has to be things that make us really push ourselves yeah. out of our comfort zone into something different. Yeah. Um, I remember when um, Ahmaud Aubrey was killed, you put um, on Facebook, I think, um, like, what are you willing to do to sacrifice as yeah. a Christian? Are you willing to step outside and say, this is wrong? So that's like a perfect example of something we as 
Western human Christians um, could do is go, you know, this, this injustice is wrong. Yeah. You know, we don't have to shave our heads, but we can stand up and say, that's not what Jesus would do. That's not how God wants us to be, right? Or another example is, you know, the bishop has asked us, um, the unvaccinated, to wear their mask. You know, to me, that is such a, something we can do. You didn't get vaccinated, fine. But you can wear your mask for an hour or when you're shopping or whatever. That is taking on discipleship. Absolutely. And there's, you know, with the mask, there's even some communities in our diocese that folks are still wearing masks, yeah. even for the vaccinated, because it's an outward sign. Number one, it's a safety precaution, but it's also an outward sign that we care for those yeah. who can't get vaccinated mm-hmm. yet or won't. I mean, whatever the choice. Whatever the choice is, but one of my children is eligible for the vaccine, the other isn't. And you know, we take certain precautions and but for other folks to say, I'm still gonna wear my mask because Walker's eleven and can't yeah. get vaccinated, or so and so's pregnant and can't get vaccinated, or so and so's vaccinated but has health issues. Right. We can still wear our mask. You're like neither one of us are wearing a collar. I don't wear my collar all that often. Um but I read an article in the Living Church this past week that talks about why this priest does always wear their mm-hmm. collar, and it's because of the sign and the symbol that it is. Mm-hmm. It's not some piety thing. It's, not, it's so that someone can look and say, there's a priest. If a priest is needed or it's an invitation, and sometimes people are turned off by it, but that's fine. People were turned off by what Jesus did. Right. People were turned off by what the Nazarites did. Our job is not to please everyone. Our job is to proclaim the good news of God in Christ. Yeah. And if it, that's to stand up when there's racial injustice, when that's to stand up when we see brokenness in the world and point it out to people, that's what we're called to do. And if it costs us pledging units in the church, if it costs clergy positions, if it costs jobs in the workplace, Maybe Jesus is calling us to do that. Yeah, I think that's really, really true. And it can be scary and it can be um, uncomfortable. I know I've really had to push myself in some places. I'm sure you have too, you know. Um, But recently someone was asking me about a situation and I said, I think the answer is always Jesus. That's the answer. You know, what, how would Jesus react in this? And you got your answer. Yeah. And when that's the question, what would Jesus do? Turning over tables and kicking people out of the temple yeah. is a viable option. Yeah, 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 yeah. Right. Certainly, certainly. So um, the Nazarites, God bless them, they really stood out and they were willing to do that. And they were willing to um, be different yeah. for the Lord. And so, you know, as much as we joke about them, I'm kind of grateful for them. Absolutely. So, um, okay. So this ends, uh, chapter six ends with. Um, these beautiful words, and I'm not sure why they're there. Do you? I mean, no. God just said this is where they should go, or yeah. the writer said this is where this should go. But this is the priestly benediction um, that many of us know, and um, it, it, it's also like words of comfort and grace as we go out into the world. Um, so what I would like to do, I've never gotten to do this with you before, so I'm excited to. I would like to. Um, Say this prayer and bless Alan um, and Elizabeth and Walker and Ford as you go out into your new. Does that sound good? So it's actually numbers six.
The Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to Aaron and his son, saying, Thus you shall bless the Israelites. You shall say to them, May the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. So they shall put my name on the Israelites, and I will bless them. May you know the love of God, Alan, this day and every day. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, I pray. Amen. Amen. We'll see you next week. You'll be in South Carolina. I'll still be in South Carolina. I will be in Tennessee. Love you. Glad to do this with you. Yay. See you next week. You're loved by us, but most importantly by God.